this guy hopped out of the pack and started attacking my shoes. We just kind of decided right there we were getting them. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. Hi, I'm Nazarene. And I'm Katrina, and that was Professor Dahl, who works in the math department at Lafayette. We interviewed Professor Dahl to discuss the nature of his relationship with his dog, Epsu. We began our conversation by having Professor Dahl describe Epsu and the type of dog he is. When asked what four words he would use to describe Epsu, he responded, Loving, loyal, chaotic, and friendly. Epsu is a mixed breed, which means he is half Chihuahua and Shih Tzu. His hair is black and a little lighter around his face. He is small, but has a lot of personality packed inside of him for a small dog. We asked Professor Dahl to describe a bit of what his relationship with Epsu looks like at the beginning of the interview. He's definitely always trying to help. Um, I don't think he, he I think he, he views himself as a, you know, part of the pack and wanting to contribute. Like he's always trying to catch squirrels for us. And um, um, he's, he's never actually gotten one, but um, you know, I think he just like, uh, he wants to contribute and, and then we just want to make him happy. More than once during our interview, Professor Dahl described his relationship with Epsu as being part of the pack. Viewing dogs as part of the pack is a popular assumption because they arose from the same common ancestor as wolves. Wolves were once thought to live in hierarchical packs, but are now thought to as living in family. Wolf biologist David Meg discusses the Alpha Wolf idea in a video called Alpha Wolf. He explains that back in the 70s, he published a book that supported the theory of Alpha Wolves, but he now rejects the idea. Meg says, one of the things we've learned is that the term alpha is really incorrect when applied to most wolf pack leaders. Meg explains, because the term implies that the wolf fought and competed strongly to get to the top of the pack. In actuality, the way to get there is by mating with a member of the opposite sex and producing a bunch of offspring, which are the rest of the pack, and becoming the natural leaders that way, just like a pair of humans producing a family. Dogs do not have a pack structure at all. Dog expert Alexander Horowitz in Inside of a Dog writes, There are differences in social organization between dogs and wolves. Dogs do not form true packs. For dogs, socialization among humans is natural. The dog is a member of a human social group. It's natural environment among people and other dogs. While we understood what Professor Dahl was trying to explain, given recent understandings of dog group behavior, we thought, his relationship with Absu was more like both sides working together. Absu provides Professor Dahl with a very social companionship, constantly making sure his owners are okay and trying to bond with them. Absu's social nature extends beyond immediate family members and animals that pass by. Absu is constantly barking at any animal that walks by. Professor Dahl even mentioned specifically that Absu wants to be friends with the mailman so badly that they had to make a barrier in front of the door so that Absu cannot greet his friend. In her memoir, Pack of Two, Caroline Knapp writes, ask 10 people why they want a dog or why they got one and you will get 10 variations of the same theme. Dog equals love. More to the point, dog equals a very specific brand of love. A warm and fuzzy variety, pure and simple, low maintenance and relatively risk-free. A dog will return us to more idyllic times, to summer afternoons we spent romping with the family dog as children. Knapp also describes dogs as children that do not grow up, that do not depart. Yeah, like we're not, um, we're not going to have kids 
So, you know, this is where we put our, um, our parental energies and drives into. And uh, yeah, so definitely he's, he's our, our little guy and um, we watch out for him. And, uh, you know, we've got, uh, like when he, when he first uh, learned some tricks, we got like a picture of him with a little graduation cap. And yeah, he's, he, he's totally our, our little guy. In a survey conducted by one poll and reported by Fox News about how dog owners see their dog's role in the relationship, 78% of pet owners consider their animals to be a part of the family, and approximately a third of the survey participants said they consider their pet to be their favorite child. Alexander Horowitz, quoted earlier in his piece, comments on our tendency as humans to compare dogs to kids many times throughout inside of a dog. For dogs and humans both, it all begins with a few innate behavior tendencies. Horowitz means that it is all a natural feeling to see our dogs as kids. We don't mean any harm by it or mean to anthropomorphize, but we do it because it comes naturally. Feelings of love for our dog are also rooted in our biology. Oxytocin is the love hormone in animals' brains. Oxytocin plays a role in a romantic love between partners and love between mother and infant. With human owners comparing their dogs to children, from the survey conducted by one poll mentioned before, listeners of this podcast might be wondering if oxytocin levels rise when dog owners interact with their dogs. In a 2019 study on the role of oxytocin in dog owner relationships, Sarah Marshall Passini et al. states, a number of studies have shown that when dogs and humans interact with each other in a positive way, for example, cuddling, both partners exhibit a surge in oxytocin, a hormone which has been linked to positive emotional states. By simulating human milestones like graduation, Professor Daw strengthens his relationship with Absu. The relationship between Professor Daw and Absu can be likely stronger because of the high levels of oxytocin. Human and dog relationships can be modified as well through training. When we first got him, he it, it took him a while took a while to teach him about not biting so uh we actually had to stash band-aids strategically around the house when he was a little puppy um he had these little needle teeth and we get you um and so there was a little bit of you know having to be quite stern with him and then once he picked that up you know he can um pretend he's a person a little bit more training absu changed their relationship with time absu now knows not to bite others when he's trying to be friendly and to try to communicate in other ways when asked Professor Dahl what training they are currently doing. We got pretty far. We we're actually starting to do uh, some agility work with him. And then uh, we found out he's got um, some like genetic knee problems. So we cut back on that. Um, we tried doing some uh, smell training as well, just to like give him new things to learn. Um, but we're not sure he smells so great. He, uh, he seems to rely on sight a lot a lot more than I'm used to with dogs. Although, after learned through the training, Professor Dahl learned a lot as well. He learned how to communicate with Absu and what was good for him and what wasn't. Our relationship between a dog and human is one that changes over time and has many things that contribute to it. That we mentioned, like personality, boundaries, and expectation. Absu grew from a biting dog to a more social dog. Professor Dahl is now more aware of who his dog is, what benefits him, or is detrimental to him. The best relationship is one where both sides change after getting a dog. Um, he's a good companion. Um, 
Uh, he, you know, he really helps cheer me up. A friendship will never die. You're gonna 